Would you turn to Genesis, please? The first chapter, Genesis 1 and 1 Corinthians 12. Genesis 1, 1 Corinthians 12. Everybody happy? Captain Victory? Y'all believe in God with me tonight? Let's pray another prayer of faith and release our faith right now. Father God, we thank you. You've blessed us and you've done so much for us. Thank you for our health, our prosperity, our brightness of mind. Every good thing comes from your hand. Our eyes are on you tonight. Give us all ears that hear, a heart that understands. Give us revelation of truth that makes us free. Anything we've thought wrong about that we need to be corrected, we're open to hear. We're teachable. We'll receive it. Anything that needs to be changed or done differently, we're open. We look to you. And as you speak to our hearts, we purpose to not be hearers only, but doers. And we know as we do, we'll be blessed. Help us to get to exactly where you want us to be. To your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. In Genesis 1, are you there? If you've been with us, then you know for some weeks now we've been talking about the subject of the moving of the Spirit. Everybody say that out loud. The moving of the Spirit. Say it again. Close your eyes. The moving of the Spirit. Here in Genesis 1. In the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth. How many are excited about going to heaven? Yes. Seeing heaven. Yes. All you can folks up there. Yes. All the ones you don't know about. Yes. You're going to meet people. You're going to walk up to them and they're going to look familiar. And in your heart you'll just know. That's my great, 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 grandma that I never knew. She'll say, come over to my house. I want to tell you some stuff and show you some stuff. Oh, my. What a future we have. I said, what a future we have. Oh, my Oh my, God created it. And he said, you know, when he's leaving, what did he say he was going to go do? Prepare a place for you and I. He said, if it wasn't so, I'd have told you. So what do we know? It's so, because he told us. He's preparing a place for you, for me. He knows what each of his children likes. And he custom builds their estates for them, for you, for me. When you get there and you see it, I mean, you know, I guess for the next how long, you'll be going, oh, that's just what I like. Oh, that's just what I never knew that I wanted. But now that I see it, that's exactly what I wanted. Oh, that's just what I like. That's just what I like. And the Lord will say, I know. I knew. I knew what you like. Oh, my, my, my. 
Goes on to say the earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God did what? He moved upon the face of the waters. Does that do anything for you? The spirit of God moved. I mean, where are we in the Bible here? Is that verse 2? And the Spirit of God is moving. moving. We looked up that word. It means hovering. He's hovering. For what? Well, what comes next? Read the next verse. What comes next? And God said the Word of God was released. We know the Word of God is a person. Jesus. So we see the Father God. We see the Holy Ghost. We see Jesus. Right here. In the beginning. God said let there be light. And something happened. People talk about a big bang. Well there might have been a big bang. When God said this. Something happened. And it was big. Right. And there was. Light. Wonder if the Holy Ghost had anything to do with that. Well why was he there hovering. Ready to move, ready to manifest. And we've gone over this repeatedly and we've seen the Spirit of God manifests the Word and the Spirit of God magnifies and glorifies Jesus, which is really saying the same thing. Manifests the Word. So if we're hungry to see more of the moving of the Spirit, what should we be interested in? The Word, Jesus. What you saying the same thing. Because he doesn't magnify us. It's not his job to confirm us. And to make a big deal out of our ministry. It's his job. To manifest the word. And to magnify Jesus. Right? If you weren't here. Go back and get the resources. Get the download it off the internet. It's free. And get caught up with us. We've been looking at this for some time. Now go to 1 Corinthians 12. How many believe we could get to some really good places tonight? Hmm? Is this just another ho-hum night? Huh? We don't have ho-hum Friday nights at the church. Mm-mm, no, no. That just means we were faithless. See, a lot of folk don't realize this. They say, you know, well, you know, our services are just so dead. Well, whose fault is that? Of course, I'm not talking about our church now. But somebody somewhere that might say that. We're just, you know, I'm just not excited enough. I'm just, well, who is responsible for believing God? For revelation, for light, for truth. Is it all the preacher's job? No. Is it all up to God? No. It's how hungry we get. How much faith we release. And here's a big one now, how ready we are to put something into practice because there's no need in the Lord giving it to us if we're not even willing to do it. How would he know how ready we are to do it? Exactly. Whatever we did with the last thing he told us. Right? That's how he'd know. What did we do with the last thing he gave us? Has he given us anything here at the church? Since we started, oh man, 
What are we doing with that? See. If we're not doing anything with that. Why should he give us any more? I know. uh, Talking about the anointing. I saw this when I was working with Brother Hagin in healing school at his ministry. I saw the stronger the anointing, the more results we're going to see. Because it's the anointing that destroys the yoke, removes the burden. It's the anointing. So I begin to cry out, Lord, you know, I want a stronger anointing. Lord, give me a stronger anointing. Lord, give me a stronger anointing. Lord, give me a stronger anointing. I mean, I must have said it a thousand times. Over and over and over again, Lord, uh, you know, I'm studied about the anointing. I prayed about the anointing, on and on and on. And the Lord said to me, I remember in the little speaker's room one day getting ready to go out to speak again. I'm on it for the nth time. Lord, I want a stronger anointing. Give me a stronger anointing. Please give me a stronger anointing. And the Lord said to me, he said, uh, faithfulness. I said, yeah, that's good. I know faithfulness is good. How about this stronger anointing? How about that? I thought he didn't change the subject on me, you know. And so I started in on it again. You know, stronger anointing, stronger anointing. He said, faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. I thought, great. Yeah, I'm going to study that sometime, Lord. Now that you brought it up. What about the stronger anointing, though? Maybe you're quicker than me, but I... What's happening here? He's answering my prayer. He's answering my prayer. I'm not seeing it. Finally, I'm condensing, but finally, he helped me to see. He took me over to uh, Acts 1.8. You know, he said, you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You'll be witnesses. He said to me, I don't mean to hear an audible voice now, but inside me. He said, all of my children receive an anointing when they're filled with the Spirit. All of them. An anointing to be a powerful witness. Is that right? Now here's the part I hadn't thought about. He said, many of them have done nothing with that anointing. Why would they need more? And I saw it. Why do you need more if you're not using what you've got? Why do you need more money and you're not a good steward of what you have? You won't obey him with what you got. Why do you need more revelation? You won't walk in what you have. Well, you don't. And you don't qualify. And God is a good investor. How about you? Do you want to invest in something that doesn't produce? You put your money in it and nothing. Ten years later, nothing. You ready to put some more money in there? No, you want to invest in something that produces. Well, God's the same way. Right? If he gives more light and he gets a good return, guess what's happening next? Mo's going to get more light. Right? If he gives Dave some money and Dave obeys him with it and does what he tells him to do with it, what's going to happen next? Dave's going to get more money. Oh, can you see it? Being a good steward, being faithful, obeying God qualifies you for the bigger, for the greater, for the more. The Lord told me, he said, uh, don't ill esteem what you have. You have an anointing. Do everything you know to do with it. Be faithful with it and I'll increase you. 
So instead of begging for more, that's what I started doing. I'd lay in the floor sometimes 45 minutes at a time and say, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He's anointed me. Can you hear a difference here now? I'm not begging and asking for something. I'm confessing something. I'm declaring something. I'm believing something. Beggars are not believers. Can you see this now? Watch what you're singing. There are a lot of songs out nowadays. I'm talking about Christian songs. Analyze them and you'll see that most of it is I want, we want, we need, we need, we want, we need, we need. No faith. I don't care what the lyrics are or how much you like the way the chords flow. Watch it. We should be declaring what the Bible says. What we have, who we are, what we can do in God. Right? Instead of begging, give me an anointing, give me an He said, you have one. Yeah, but I want a bigger one. Well, how do you get a bigger one? It's like saying, I want a big bicep. I want a bicep. You got a bicep. Yeah, but I want a big one. Well, that's up to you. Load it. Use it. Exercise it. Feed it. It'll grow. Do you see this now? You've got faith. You've got an anointing. Don't beg for faith. Don't beg for power. Don't beg for an anointing. Use what you've got. And I mean use it to the nth. Do everything. So I would. Man, I'd lay on the floor. I'd confess I'm anointed. I'd believe with every fiber of my being. When I laid hands on people that day, the anointing was going to come. And as the months passed. And as the years passed. It got stronger and stronger. And so there were two or three pivotal things that happened. I won't go into all that. But over the course of the next 15 years, I went from sensing no anointing, just ministering by faith, until there were days the anointing was so strong I literally could not stand. Hallelujah. Well, did God increase the anointing? By me begging? No. By what? Using, what did he say to me? Faithfulness. Be faithful with what you have right now. And if you are, I'll see it. I'll add to it. I'll increase it. Oh, can you say amen? Amen. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, preachers, pastors, listen now. Don't despise the days of small things and beginnings. People say, well, that's easy for you to say. You know, you got thousands. Well, you didn't see me years ago, though, did you? Preaching to six. I preached to six exactly like I preached to you. Amen. Exactly like I preached to all these nations on the internet. I preached to, there were times when there were three people there. I preached to them just like I'm doing right now. Amen. Did you hear me? Yes, sir. If you're not faithful with two, why would God give you 2,000? Oh, come on now. Can you see this? You understand? You gotta be faithful with what you have where you are or you don't qualify for the next step. Say it out loud. Faithful. 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 How many remember Proverbs said, the faithful man, the faithful woman, what will happen to them? They will abound with blessings. They will overflow with blessings. Thank you, Lord. First Corinthians 12, are you there? Verse 7. First Corinthians 12, 7. Says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man 
to profit with all. Who can have a manifestation of the Spirit? Would that include you? Y'all helping me tonight, right? now? Does that excite you at all? Manifestations of the Spirit, not in my life, your life. Not in somebody else, you know, your life. What does manifestation mean? Showing, making known, revealing, moving. Right? All of that is the Spirit moving. Can you believe for and have and experience the moving of the Spirit in your life? That was a little weak. Let me say it one more time. Can you, should you, expect and have the moving of the Spirit in your, your life? Yes, yes. That's every believer. Read it out loud to me again. But the what? The manifestation of the Spirit. Is this the Bible? Yes, sir. Is given to a special anointed few. No. Huh? Special holy few. Every man. Huh? Every man. A few extraordinarily devoted, committed people. No, no. Every. What did it say? Every. Every. Every man. Say it out loud. I can. I can. I should. I will. Have the manifestation. Demonstration. Revealing. Moving of the Spirit in my life. Yeah. Yeah, somebody got it. I will. I refuse not to. I'm supposed to have this. You're supposed to have, not just ministers, every man. Every man. I can have, I should have, I'm supposed to have, I will have. The moving of the Spirit in my life. In my life. That's not just at church. That's in my life. Oh. Can you sense the will of God in this? Man, Christ has come up in your life. You're supposed to have the moving of the Spirit. Revelation, direction, word of knowledge. Something come up that just seems too big for you. Special faith come up in you. And you just believe God when it seems like there's no way. Miracles in your life. This is not just for a select few. Every man. Is this Bible? Is this scripture? Every man. Hallelujah. Now go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter, the first chapter. No, no, on your way. Stop at 1 Thessalonians. You know, uh, we had the great privilege and honor of traveling, Brother Kenneth and uh, Miss Aretha Hagen, for years. I don't know the past, the last 10 years, I guess, that we traveled with uh, them. Nearly every church we went to, pastors were fond of asking them, Brother Hagen, what's the Lord doing today? <laughs> He's, if he said this once, he said this a thousand times. I'm going to read it to you. I wrote it down. What's the Lord doing now? What's God doing today? And Brother Hagin to say this. He said, he's building strong local churches and teaching them to flow with the Spirit. Did you hear that? What's God doing right now? He's building 
strong local churches and teaching them to flow with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Teaching them about the move of the Spirit. How to cooperate. How to yield. Well, that's us. We're in on that. He's planted a church here. Now he's building it. Hallelujah. First uh, Thessalonians, are you there? Five. Five. Sixteen. What do you do? Rejoice ever more. Hmm? Oh, Edgar Allan Poe needed to know that, didn't he? Because his old raven was hollering what? Nevermore. Nevermore. Nah, wrong. It's rejoice evermore. Rejoice. Poor fellow had devils in his house, needed to get saved. Rejoice evermore. What else? Pray without ceasing. Now, how do you do that? That doesn't mean pray every breath. But how do you do that? Well, it just means you don't just have times of prayer. You pray as a matter of normal operation all throughout the day, all throughout the night. I know some years ago the Lord showed me another step of this for my own personal life. We were with some friends at a meeting and went out after the service to a restaurant in another state. And uh, the waitress had just come and took our order and was walking away. And we went back to talking like we normally did. Well, the Spirit of God arrested me. I don't mean I heard something out here or felt a physical thing. But inside me, the Lord said to me, he said, now's the time to pray over your food. Well, see, normally we didn't do that. We'd wait till the food comes. And then we'd pray over our food. You know, a lot of things people do is just tradition. They don't even release faith in it. They just, you know, like saying grace. What is that? Well, let's say grace. What does that mean? See, people don't even know what they are doing and why they're doing it. First Timothy talks about that what we eat is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now there's scripture. Sanctified. Sanctified means set apart. And cleansed. Well, the Lord said to me, he said, now it's time to pray over your food. I thought, now? Why? You know, we always do that. He said, well, now I'm not hearing voices, but inside me. He said, uh, the difference between them reaching and getting a spoiled piece of meat or a good piece of meat is here or here. He said, ask me to direct the selection and preparation of the food and call it sanctified, blessed and sanctified, and give thanks. Instead of it getting out to the table, now you may have to believe for a miracle. <laughs> or go ahead and eat it and it's bad. Now you got to believe if you eat any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. Well, it'd be a lot simpler, right, than just not have to go through all that. And he began to show me uh, and so this is how we pray. You know, Lord, we thank you for being so good to us. 
You said, if we'd serve you, you'd bless our bread and water and you'd take sickness out of the midst of us and the number of our days you'd fulfill. We thank you for it. We ask you to direct them in the selection and preparation of this food. We call it blessed and sanctified to the nourishment of our bodies in your service. In Jesus' name, amen. And release faith. Believe that all those things happen. And he went on to teach me about it. He said, let's say that you're uh, believing for a new car. Well, believe that the right one is put together at the right time and it gets to you to the right place. Believe before they start building it. Well, how would I know, brother? By faith, you just believe that the right one winds up. Let's say you go to buy an appliance. You go to buy an item and they have to go back in the back to get it out of the warehouse or off the shelf. What's the difference between getting a good one that lasts twice as long as they normally do or getting one that you got to take back three times? What's the difference? Them reaching and getting this box or getting this one? And for the Lord to have a legal right to get involved with it, you got to ask him and get in faith. So while they're walking back to get it, you just say, Lord, I ask you to direct them to the right box, direct them to the selection of this. Right? Well, what is that? That's praying without ceasing. Yes. See, if you practice that, you're doing that kind of thing all the time. And you don't feel like you don't have to get on your knees and pray out, you scream out loud in prayer at an hour at a time. It can take that long. Lord, I'm asking you to direct them in the selection of that thing in Jesus' name. Thank you. Lord, I'm asking you for this. You see, I have not because. Right? And you can't just ask wavering, got to ask in faith. Right? We talk to our staff, you know, anytime you're going to order something, you know, before you call or when you hang up the phone, before anybody has a time to do anything, Lord, direct them to the perfect one and direct them in the packaging and shipping and ministering spirits. We give you charge over it. Get it to us without delay and without incident. Right. Before, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, Brother Keith, let's pray for you. Take off in the plane. Well, I already did last night. But sometimes instead of explaining to them, I'll just say, right, go ahead. <laughs> but a lot of times, you know, hours before or the night before or before that, I prayed about it. I said, Lord, I ask that your hand be on every piece of this machine. Cause it to work right. Keep it back from any failure or malfunction. I ask your hand on me. Help me to be alert and quick and sharp. Keep me from making mistakes. Help me to make good decisions and good judgment. Help me to be aware. Lord, I ask you to help us to get the right people in ATC and direct them as how they direct me. Ministering spirits, go before us. Clear the way and prepare the way before us, behind us, above us, beneath us, all the way round about us in Jesus' name. Satan, I bind you from hindering us and causing us any problems. You're shut down. I forbid it in Jesus' name. Lord, prosper us and give us a good trip. We thank you for it. Release faith. Right? Don't just pray little pat prayers because you prayed it last time to just save your conscience that I prayed. Pray according to the word. Pray in faith. Release your faith that this will be done on purpose. And don't just do it once every week. Pray how? This is something that's interwoven throughout the fabric of your life all day, all night. Can you see this? You'll be praying here and praying there, asking for this, speaking over this. Not a lot of fanfare, but faith. Okay, let's keep reading. 
He said, in everything. Do what? Give thanks. Give thanks. See, what do you do after you prayed? Now, what if you see a little weather out the window? Didn't you already pray about it? Hmm? What if there's a little hindrance? What if it seems like a little delay up here? Well, now it's time to give thanks. We've already prayed. Thank you, Lord. You've already heard our prayer. Thank you for working this thing out. In your pajamas, give thanks. In your kitchen. In your car. In every situation. In everything. Just all the time. When you don't know what else to do, what do you do? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is what people ought to be doing instead of griping and complaining and fussing and arguing. What should you be doing? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you're so good to us. Thank you, Lord. You always take care of us. Thank you, Lord. You meet every need. Thank you, Lord. Nothing's too hard for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was a little weak. Come on. Be a doer of the word right now. Just lift up your hands. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. Oh, you're so faithful. You're so good. Thank you for being patient with us and kind, long-suffering and merciful. Thank you for being so good to show us what we need to see and teach us and help us, taking us by the hand, leading us every step of the way, all the stuff you've spared us from and protected us from. Thank you. Thank you. Every good thing you've allowed us to enjoy. All the good things you've planned for us. Everything you got ready for us in this new year. Thank you. 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 What do you say when you don't know what to say? Thank you, Lord. When the conversation lulls, what do you say? Oh, thank God. He's so good. Keep reading. Verse 19. Quench not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. Say that loud. Quench not. Did he say try not to? You know, a lot of these modern translations, so-called, are not too hot on some of these things. You'll see they use all kinds of phrases like try to do this, try to do that, do your best. It's not in the Bible. Be wary of some of these new translations. What did it say? What does that mean? Don't do it. Quench not. Don't do it. Quench uh, has the idea of smothering a fire. Smothering a fire. Like a fire is burning and you threw a wet towel or something on it or some water, you quenched it, you put it out. Well, fire is a type of the Spirit. Can the Spirit of God begin to move? Huh? Stir you. Prompt you. Can you put it out? Yeah, you can. How could you quench it? Talking about the moving of the Spirit. How could you quench His moving? Ignoring it purposely or ignorantly, just not paying attention. Quench would be the opposite of yield. Quench is the incorrect response. Say it out loud again. Quench not the spirit. Uh, in Acts 7.51, don't turn there, 
But Acts 7.51, he said to certain individuals, he said, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. To a group of people that were doing that. He said, you're always resisting the Holy Ghost. Well, that's the opposite of what we want to do. What do we want to do? Yield to the Holy Ghost. Well, with the Spirit of God, does it make any difference as far as His moving is concerned? Whether people resist Him? Or whether they respond to Him properly? Will He just push and just manifest Himself anyway? No, He won't. No, He won't. People have to respond to Him. I used to hear Brother Hagin say this, and it was in healing services. He said, uh, you know, normally that uh, the minister and the Holy Ghost couldn't do any more than the people would permit or allow. To some folks that doesn't sound right. But you just watch. You get to certain things and you could feel people just put the brakes on. People, People just clam up and just stop, get afraid or get confused or whatever. And when you get there. The Bible said Jesus in his own hometown, what did it say? Could there, didn't say he decided not to, could there do no mighty work. Why? Because they didn't receive him. They said, who is this? Saying he's anointed. And they were offended at him. People get miffed. People get offended. People get put out. Does it affect the moving of the spirit? Well, then you can see why the devil works so hard. Keep everybody in strife. Because then that means he's going to be moving. And the Spirit of God's not going to be moving. We want to train ourselves, and we're in the process right now of God training us, to not yield to the wrong thing. Not yield to strife and anger and unbelief and fear and all this stuff. But to every time the Spirit of God begins to move, I mean yield quickly and fully. Quickly and completely. How many would like, when the Holy Ghost thinks about the Faith Life Church family, that he smiles? Because we're easy to work with. Would you like that? When he thinks about you as an individual and your family and your house, it blesses him because we're easy to work with. You're easy to work with. Well, it won't happen just by wishing. But we can be. We ought to be. It's my strong desire that in this Year we become easier to work with, easier for the Spirit of God to deal with. Go with me to First Peter now. First Peter. No, I told you wrong. Second Peter. That's where I want you to be. Did I say Second Peter? Well, I'm saying it now. Second Peter one and twenty-one. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. The prophecy that we have, book of Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, on and on, did not come by these men sitting down one day and saying, I'm going to write a prophecy. (laughs) Or by them through intense you know, bringing it up out of their self and just willing it and getting it. No, didn't come that way. Did not come by the will of man. This church is not here by the will of man. Do you know that? 
It wasn't mine nor Phyllis's will to come to Branson. Nor was it our will to start a church. We weren't thinking about it. It wasn't our plan. But it was the will of God. And things like this are happening all over the planet. Supposed to be happening in all believers' lives. Not, say, not by the will of man. Well, then how did it come? Keep reading. But holy men of God. Now, here's a whole teaching right here. Why say holy? Well, what kind of spirit is he? Holy Spirit. So he's going to work best with holy people. Right? Because that's how he is. How can two walk together except they be so contaminated, defiled, Holy Spirit? No, not too good. What? Holy men, Holy Spirit. Holy women, Holy Spirit. Can you see this? Somebody said, well, Brother Keith, I've messed up so bad. Well, I've made mistakes too. How can I be holy? Oh, you know. By the blood. By the blood. And then walk in the light. Get rid of condemnation. But there's a whole, oh, there's so much truth and light here. Do you want to be more sensitive to the Holy Ghost? More aware of Him? Then you ought to become very interested in holiness. Holiness is not what a lot of people think it is. Let me give you one of the best definitions of holiness I've ever heard. And my father in the faith said it. Brother Hagin. He said, holiness is Christ-likeness. It's being like him. Being like the master. It's not about your haircut. It's not about the length of your sleeve or uh, your jewelry or this or that. It's about being like him. He's holy. And what happens, being unholy goes hand in hand with being disobedient. Overriding what you know in your heart. And when you do, that dulls you. It dulls you and it dims your confidence and dulls your sensitivity. And the Bible talks about people's hearts and being seared, a conscience is being seared. Well, that's from being disobedient and unholy. Oh, but if you'll be obedient... And how many understand if you'll be obedient, being holy goes hand in hand with that. If you obey, 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 then you're not defiling yourself. You're not contaminating yourself. You're being obedient. You're going to be holy. You will increase in awareness of him and sensitivity because he is holy. Didn't he say, be ye holy? Why? He is holy. And draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. Holy men of God. Spoke how? Oh, here it is. Here it is. They spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Does the Holy Ghost move people today? This is New Testament. The Holy Ghost moves in people's lives. What did he move these holy men to do? To speak. And as they did, prophecy came. It wasn't by their will. It wasn't something they thought up. You hear people sometimes critiquing this book. And say, well, I wonder what David was thinking when he was writing that. It doesn't matter all that much. I've had people, you know, good people. Oh, I'd really love to get in the mind of David. Why? 
I would really like to get in the mind of Paul. No. This is not the product of Paul's mind. Holy men. Holy women. Spoke. As they were moved. By the Holy Spirit. Oh come on. Come on. Do you see this? This is not by the will of man. Holy men. Holy women. Spoke. As they were. Now why are we talking about this? We've been talking about this for weeks now. The moving of the spirit. But why should you be so interested in this? Because the manifestation. The moving of the spirit. Is given to every man. Every man. Every woman. Can have the spirit move in their life. Move on you to speak. Move on you to pray. Move on you to do something or not to do something. This is what makes our covenant better than the old. This is one of the most outstanding things. Because in those times, in fact, the prophecy says in that day, they'll not say to every man to his brother, know the Lord. He said, for they'll all know me. And we won't just look at the laws written down on paper or or stone, but they're written in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. He's in us. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. He's in us. We have the Spirit in us. And He moves. And He moves. Oh, can you say amen? Say it out loud. He moves. He moves in me. He moves on me. He moves. Listen to the Amplified of Second Peter one twenty one. It says, No prophecy ever originated because some man willed it. To do so, it never came by human impulse. But men spoke from God who were born along Moved and impelled by the Holy Spirit. Moved and impelled. Impelled is a word I like. Impelled. You know, expelled is something motivated, moved outward. Impelled denotes something from the inside. And sometimes instead of saying, you know, sometimes... People say God told me when he didn't so much tell them as they just had a witness, a sense, a knowing, or God told me to go do that. Sometimes that can be too strong. I just am impelled to go this direction. Look in uh, 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. And the 14th verse, 5.14, says, For the love of Christ, the anointed one, constrains us. Now that's King James. The Amplified again says, The love of Christ controls and urges and impels us. Well, God is love. Right? The scripture said, desire, covet earnestly, desire, uh, spiritual gifts. He said, follow after love. 
and desire spiritual gifts. So if you're following love, you're following God. And the love of Christ, it could have said Jesus, it could have said any number of things, but it said Christ, the anointed one. The love of the anointing, the anointed one, does what? Impels us. Do you remember the scripture that said uh, Jesus was moved with compassion? You remember that? What was happening in him then? Spirit of God's moving. Can you see this? The Bible said there were times when the people would even bring the sick into the streets. And just pile them up and stop traffic. Have you read it? That they laid the sick in the streets. Until you know I guess a mile or two away. You got all these donkeys and chariots backed up. And people are going what's going on? Well there's people in the road. What kind of people? I don't know. There's sick people everywhere. They just pile them in the middle of the road. And sometimes it said that they cast them at Jesus feet. Cast means throw. So people would take their friends, crippled, blind, deaf, and if they couldn't get close to him, they'd say, here, you grab that arm and grab that leg. All right, here we go. Are you ready? We'll get you close as we can. One, two, and threw them. I'm not making this up. This is in the Bible. Threw them at Jesus. But hey, when you get healed, You don't care. Throw me again. What a sight that was. They hear you got the roads, the traffic backed up and the roads blocked up with sick people. And as Jesus walks through them, they just get up and walk out of the road. He walks through them and they're touching him and touch. The road just clears out. Hallelujah. And the Bible said on more than one occasion when he would see this, he was moved with compassion. Now some people have taken that, and you even see some modern translations say sympathy. That's not right. Look up the word. It means to yearn as to one's insides. Or the word bowels is used in the King James. See, that's like this word impel. It's something on the inside of you. Well, there's somebody on the inside of you. Oh, are you with me now? I'm not just talking about only history. I'm talking about you tomorrow and the next day. We got to be alert and aware of this. I'm not talking about sobbing and feeling sorry for somebody with no faith. No. Love is moved to change the situation. The love of the anointed one constrains, compels, impels us. Just like it did him. He was moved with compassion. Hallelujah. Said out loud, I'm moved with compassion. I'm moved by the love. Of the anointed one. I'm moved. By the spirit. And I follow. So now that's not the same thing. When he moves what? You respond. 
You yield. He was moved with compassion. What comes next? And he healed their sick. Need was met. Thank God. Now, notice this. Go to Acts 7. Acts 7. In Acts 7, 51, I've already quoted this, but just look at it while you're here. Acts 7, 51. These people are about to stone Stephen. And he tells them in verse 51, he says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hard in ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Stiff-necked. And see, uncircumcised in heart and ears, that has to do with insensitive. The veil of the flesh covers your spirit so fleshly that you don't pick up what God's doing. All you sense is flesh. We're in a flesh body, but we don't have to be flesh dominated. But if we are, we'll be stiff-necked, stubborn, hard-headed. Man, this is one of the worst conditions a human being can be in. I'm serious. Because you can get yourself in a place where God can't help you. I know that's a huge statement, but it is absolutely the truth. Unteachable. Stubborn. Hard-headed. Rebellious. If a person persists in that mode, what did the Bible say? He that's often being reproved, hardens himself, stiffens his neck, he'll be destroyed. And that without remedy. What does that mean? There's no fix. There's no fix. Can you get yourself in a place where it can't be fixed? By being stubborn, hard-headed, unteachable, stiff-necked. And resisting, resisting, resisting. And we live in a society where people are taught to be this way. And you see little ones, two and three and four and five years old, so defiant, so rebellious. And parents act like, well, this is just normal. You know, well, they're just going through that stage. But we got people that are 50 years old and still in that stage. They never got out of it. They're just worse. You see what I'm talking about? Oh, it's, it's another seminar. You don't want to be there. You don't want to do that. Back up to verse nine in the same chapter. Notice this. They resisted the Holy Ghost repeatedly, 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 and they Missed God, missed his best, and were judged, and it's sad. But Acts 7, 9 says the patriarchs, verse 9, are you there? And the patriarchs, what? Moved with what? Envy. Sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of all his afflictions. Hallelujah. They were moved by what? Envy. Human beings are moved by different things. 
What's the will of God for you and me? Moved holy people. Moved by the Spirit. Can you be moved by envy? Jealousy. Greed. Anger. Lust. Yeah, you can. And see, here's the thing. There are many voices in the world. None of them without signification. Well, they're all saying different things, but there's only one that we should listen to. There are many influences in the world. And they can be very real, and some of them can be powerful. There can be feelings and thoughts that move you, or I should say attempt to. Attempt to move you, but the real issue is, what do you act on? Nobody can move you against your will. God won't. The devil can't. The Holy Ghost will endeavor to impel you and compel you even strongly, but it's up to you. Right? Whether you will or you won't. Well, the enemy will try to move you. He'll try to get you so mad or so upset or so coveting and desiring something that you act on it. That you move. When the Spirit of God moves, we should recognize Him immediately. We should yield immediately. He moves, we move. When the enemy tries to move, it ought to be shut down city. Right? Mm -mm, No, no. But in order for that to be so, you've got to be in control of your thoughts and your feelings, your emotions. Right? People talk about, well, I I just got a bad temper and I just, you know, I've just done stuff and said stuff before I realize it. Well, that means you have trained yourself to yield to the enemy. And you do it without even thinking. That's a bad thing. Well, you can do the same thing with the Holy Ghost. You can train yourself to yield to the Holy Ghost where you'll do it before you ever think about it. This is the life now, I'm telling you. This is the life. This is where you want to be. That you train yourself to yield, yield, yield until when he moves, you don't even think, you don't even try to figure it out. You'll just yield. That's when you see the great things. You know something that will help you in this? Just a practical thing you can do all the time? Talking in tongues. Because when you're talking in tongues, you're yielding your tongue, which is the steering wheel of your whole life. And you just practice yielding. Just practice yielding, 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 yielding. You're already in yielding gear when anything else comes up. Right? And if you can yield your tongue, you're way down the road to yielding your whole life and whole body. Can you see it? Moved by envy. Go over to the 20th chapter of Acts. I'm thinking about closing. Acts 20. There's a few more things I believe the Lord wants to say and do. Acts 20. 22. By the Spirit of God, Paul says. Acts 20 and 22. And now. 
Behold, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. What does that mean? Hmm? What does the Amplified say? Somebody got that? What does it say? Obligated and what? Compelled. There's that word. Compelled. Did he have to go? Was God making him do it? No, but he had it so strong in him. He's already yielded to the will of God. So if it's that strong, I got to go. I got to go. I just know it. But, keep reading. Not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city saying, don't go, Paul. Is that what he said? No. Yet some supposedly learned theologians, that's what they deduced. Paul missed God because he went down. No, no, he didn't. God told Paul when he got saved that he's going to stand before kings and give his testimony and be a witness for him. Well, that's how it happened. Told him how great things he's going to suffer for his name's sake. Well, that's what happened. Paul didn't miss God. Just because something's tough doesn't mean it's not the will of God. Just because there are challenges doesn't mean it's not the will of God. He said, the Holy Ghost witnesses everywhere I go saying bonds and afflictions are waiting on me. He said, he's saying that. Everywhere I've been, the Holy Ghost is saying, well, you know, you remember Agabus came and got his belt and tied himself up and said, uh, so shall the Jews there bind the man that owns this belt or this girdle. Well, that was right. It was Holy Ghost. But is that the same as don't go? That's not the same. It was right for him to go. Verse 24, did you get this? Huh? Verse 24, what does it say? But none of these things move me. Now let's just stop right here. What could have been one of these things? Yeah, fear. Fear. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, when you've been beat a few times... And somebody raises up the rod, you go, ooh. Because you were there, it hurt. You've been stoned. You know, when somebody picks up a rock, you might go, oh, let's leave. You'd have to deal with the fear. And he did. None of these things move me. Oh, here's a big one. Here's a big one. Do not be moved by fear. Fear will try to motivate you and move you. And if you act on fear, then you give the enemy a right to manifest himself in your life. Never act on fears. And you watch yourself when you're a, you get rattled, you get aggravated, you get upset and you go to trying to do stuff. Why? Because you're afraid it's not going to turn out the way you want it to. You're afraid it's not going to work. And so you get to try and to scurry around and make it. And when you do that, you open the door for the enemy. Oh, there are times in life, friend, when things are going on and you are so tempted to do something. To pick up the phone or to call or to go try to see about it, go try to do it. But if you do, you know you get out of faith. 
Because what would be moving you to do it? Are y'all with me now? All of us have missed it on this area. But we're growing up. We're learning. Hmm? And it is, instead of an impelling, it is an external pressure. Learn the difference. It's an external pressure of feelings and thoughts of fear. You gotta do something. You gotta do something. You can't just sit here. You gotta do something. You know what's happening? You gotta do something. If you don't do it, it's gonna be all messed up. If you don't do it, you're not gonna get it. You gotta do something. You gotta do something. Hmm? You gotta do something. You gotta do something. And if you're moved by that, who's leading you now? How many times, you know, God shows up, the angel shows up, and people go, ooh, what does he say? Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Only believe. Say that out loud. Fear not. Fear not. Only believe. believe. See, what are we allowing to move us? Anger. I just got so mad. I just said stuff. Well, no, you might have been moved to do it, but nobody made you do it. I just got so mad. I just slapped my wife around before I knew what was going on. Like I've said before, take the same guy, put him in a room with the defensive line of the winning football team and get him just as mad and see how many of them guys he slaps around. Some way or another, he's able to control himself. <laughs> nah, people do what they can get away with. Hmm? Now, Brother Keith, that woman just looks so good. She just looked too good. I just, you know, I'm a man. I had a fellow try to tell me one time. He's talking about this certain woman. He said, are you telling me that if you had an opportunity to be with that woman, you wouldn't? And I said, no. He said, well, you ain't even a man. Well, I had to leave pretty quick after that because uh, I was being moved to demonstrate to him that I was a man. There was more than one way to show it. But if uh, just because anger Desire, lust, fear tries to move you is at the end. Do you decide what you yield to? People don't yield to the Holy Ghost. People quench and shut down the Spirit of God and don't yield to Him when He's trying to move. How much more should we be able to quench the devil? Quench the desire, quench the fear, quench the lust, quench the envy, and don't yield to it. And no matter how much it's pushing on you and pushing on you, you need to just sit down in the middle of the floor sometimes like Paul and say, none of these things move me. I'm only moved by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. That's all I'll yield to in this. That's it. I'm not yielding to anything else. Don't let it move you. Don't yield to it. But when he moves. Right now. Yield to him right now. Can you say amen?
Stand up on your feet. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's lift our hands and praise Him some. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.